0: PBA President Charles Brown was traveling on PVA business uh, when he was dropped on the jetway, when airline personnel attempted to transfer him from his customized wheelchair into this aisle chair device. He fractured his tailbone and ended up with an infection in his spine. And he had to have surgery. He spent months in the VA spinal cord injury unit in Miami. Um, And thankfully, the specialized care that President Brown received um, at the VA helped him recover uh, from what was really a life-threatening health crisis.
1: Welcome to the Policy Vets Podcast, engaging with leaders, scholars, and strong voices to fill a void in support of policy development for America's Veterans. With your host, former Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Dr. David Shulkin, and the Executive Director of Policy Vets, Lou Chelley. Today's guest, Heather Ansley, the Associate Executive Director for Government Relations for the Paralyzed Veterans of America. Mr. Secretary, when you went to the Warrior Games, how many veterans were wheelchair users while you were there? Oh,
2: so many. I think uh, even on the plane ride over, um, I remember counting on my plane about 16 veterans in wheelchairs, and I just remember thinking, how remarkable it is that each one of them was taking this trip and was going and participating. And many of them had service dogs. I remember a big Labrador slept on my feet on the flight on the flight there. And, and uh, so this is a, this is a pretty common scenario for veterans.
1: So, you know, between the two of us, I'm sure we've flown hundreds of times and, and, you know, while we're waiting to board every once in a while, you'll see the flight attendant or, or some of the flight staff assisting someone with a wheelchair, you know, the wheelchair kind of disappears down the jetway and that's the last most people see of it.
2: Yeah. I, I think it's unfortunately not the last that often the veteran sees of it because, as i think we're going to hear that air travel isn't always as smooth as people think they don't they may not realize but that wheelchair or or especially the larger mobility based wheelchairs have to go somewhere in the plane and just like a piece of luggage um sometimes they don't always come out the same and so one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast today, Lou, is to get people to understand what our veterans go through when they travel.
1: One of the most surprising things for me cuz again, you know, just as a as a uh, as a fully mobile air traveler, when they help wheelchair users onto the plane before the plane takes off, those wheelchair users are waiting to be uh, you know, to be helped off the plane and that is after everybody else leaves. So you know, the, the average the average passenger doesn't realize or, you know, or appreciate the fact that in some cases, those, those wheelchair users are waiting at the jetway sometimes for a chair that doesn't show up or for a broken chair. And, you know, everybody's gone at that point. I mean, it, that's gotta be pretty scary. Yeah, I think that's
2: right, Lou. Travel for a disabled person, a, a, a veteran who's in a wheelchair, is often a much more um, discouraging and difficult process than certainly regular or, or people that don't have disabilities experience. And uh, we hear how many complaints many people have about air travel, but 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 for somebody with a disability, this can really be uh, a quite traumatic experience if things don't go well so um that's really what we want to do today is to hear from somebody who can really tell us about the situation and ways to fix it
1: speaking about the you know the number of wheelchairs that come off the aircraft totally damaged our, our guest today is an attorney um she's the associate executive director for government relations for paralyzed veterans of america and i mean she's really got some staggering information that i'm sure many of our listeners are going to want to hear yeah
2: Lou, Heather Ansley has been advocating for veterans with spinal cord injuries for more than a decade. And before going to PVA, she started out with Vets First, which was a program of the United Spinal Association. And then seven years ago, went over to PVA. But her dedication and her focus on helping veterans with spinal cord injuries has been
1: just truly amazing. got a pretty good memory. I remember stomping the Hill with her when she was with vets first. And, you know, she was one person that, uh, that I quickly came to respect because she was no nonsense. She knew her stuff. She had statistics to back it up. Heather, Heather, uh, was a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, actually PVA is a pretty amazing organization.
2: Uh, besides Heather, of course you and I are, friendly and and admire Carl Blake, their executive director, who just does an amazing job representing veterans. And, you know, as Carl always says, the Paralyzed Veterans of America is one veteran service organization that no one wants to earn membership into. They truly represent a very, very special need in the veteran community.
1: Absolutely true. But for veterans who have spinal cord injuries or suffer loss of limb, there really is no more skilled organization in this space in PVA.
2: Yeah, I remember traveling with PVA to a number of veteran hospitals in their spinal cord units, and it really was them letting me know how vital and important those units were to veterans. I had worked in the private sector in hospitals all my life, but I had never spent time in spinal cord injury units, and so I really credit PVA with opening up my eyes to why those were such critical centers in the VA system.
1: You know, I, I couldn't agree more, so so let's get Heather in here and let's get started. Great. Heather, welcome to the Policy Vets podcast. Hey, We are really excited to have you uh, have you join us today.
0: Well, thank you, Lou. I appreciate the opportunity to be here.
2: Heather, we're so glad you could be with us. And I want to talk to you a little bit today about Paralyzed Veterans of America and their mission. But I wanted to start by talking about something that I saw on the PVA website about air travel for veterans who happen to be in wheelchairs. And... There was a quote on the website from the current president of PVA. Do you just want to share with the listeners of Policy Vets what happened to him on one particular flight?
0: Sure. And, and thanks, uh, Mr. Secretary, for that question. You know, air travel is often inhumane and dangerous for paralyzed veterans and other people with disabilities. Um, and those who use wheelchairs often report uh, that their wheelchairs are broken, that they have difficulties when the, if the, when the, from the transfers from their wheelchairs to the devices they need to use to board the plane. Those devices they use called an aisle chair are often ill-fitting and in disrepair. And PVA President Charles Brown was traveling on PVA business Uh, when he was dropped on the jetway, when airline personnel attempted to transfer him from his customized wheelchair into this aisle chair device. He fractured his tailbone and ended up with an infection in his spine. And he had to have surgery. He spent months in the VA spinal cord injury unit in Miami. Um, and thankfully, the specialized care that President Brown received um, at the VA helped him recover uh, from what was really a life-threatening health crisis. I, that
1: is a horrifying story. I, you know. And as I understand it, the, the airlines are under very little liability over incidents like this, aren't they?
0: Well, when injuries occur or a wheelchair is destroyed, it can definitely be difficult for a passenger with a disability to to get proper assistance from the airline. Under federal law, they, they are required to return wheelchairs in the condition that they're received from the passenger, and the damage limits that normally apply to baggage and other devices don't apply to wheelchairs. However, the process of repair can be really slow. And so veterans and others sometimes have to seek repairs on their own just to expedite the process. Liability for personal injury uh, can be dependent upon uh, state law and there's federal preemption in air travel. And what all this means is it just translates into a process that can be difficult for passengers to navigate.
2: I really appreciate you sharing that with us. I don't think most people appreciate just how difficult these challenges are. And, you know, the purpose here is not to disparage the airline industry, but to let people be aware that it can really, we can do better. There, my understanding is about 26 lost or damaged or even destroyed wheelchairs or motorized chairs every day in the airline industry. And when that happens to one of our veterans, they're really their life is disrupted for weeks, sometimes months, until they can get that equipment replaced. And so, um, is there is there anything that you think that the airlines should be doing differently than what they're doing now?
0: Well, certainly, wheelchair damage is an all too common side effect of air travel for passengers uh, with mobility impairments. Um, and as you mentioned. Uh, You know, the the number of wheelchairs and scooters that are damaged or delayed um, are represent lives, lives uh, that are delayed. And certainly, having uh, transparency now that these numbers are reported um, and available for the public to see has really heightened interest uh, from all stakeholders, including airlines and wheelchair manufacturers, to try to improve um, this process so that fewer wheelchairs and scooters are destroyed or damaged or mishandled. Uh, but unfortunately, the problems uh, still occur.
1: The secretary brings up a really interesting point, and. When he said 26 lost or damaged or destroyed, you know, uh, wheelchairs or motorized scooters, I I focused on lost. I can't even imagine the horror of, of someone who's a wheelchair user arriving at their destination only to be told that their wheelchair is missing or unusable because it was damaged. I mean, so what happens in those situations?
0: Well, I think the best way I can explain it is through a story. And although we have a lot of stories about wheelchair damage um, and the impacts, I'm going to go back to PVA President Brown, because unfortunately, on a separate trip, he had significant wheelchair damage issue. He was traveling to Washington, D.C. a few years ago to attend an event on behalf of the organization. And when he arrived in Washington, his power wheelchair simply would not work. Um, it worked just fine. Um, when he got on the plane, now he was dead in the water. Uh, there were no manual wheelchairs available to get him to his hotel. So they put him back in this now broken power wheelchair and pushed him, which together he and the wheelchair weighed 600 pounds. Um, finally got him to his hotel. few hours passed. Uh, no repair person it shows. He calls. They say a week. You know, someone will be there in a week. So he called his own technician to just get the chair repaired because he's stuck in a hotel bed. Um, He ended up missing the entire event, the whole reason that he traveled and then was stuck with the repair bill because he himself went and got it repaired instead of waiting on the airlines.
2: Wow, that's uh, that's just such a horrible story. Um, But, you know, I think it's one of the real reasons why. Paralyzed Veterans of America is such an important organization and why it's important that we continue to support PVA because you're the organization that, that knows and can tell these stories and stand up for people that really have to have safeguards around them. I, I, I remember another story of, a uh, of, uh, Ms. ingratia figueroa whose wheelchair her power wheelchair was also destroyed during a flight she was given a loaner chair had to spend weeks in it and unfortunately that chair not the same quality caused a pressure ulcer that ultimately took her life and so these little things by not giving special care and attention to wheelchairs and mobility devices can really be life-threatening
0: you're exactly right, Mr. Secretary, and and the story of Miss Figueroa it's a it's a tragic story that really illustrates the devastating effect that losing access to your customized wheelchair can have on a person with a disability. Um, her wheelchair was damaged when she returned from a trip to Washington, D.C., where she had come to advocate, you know, participate in her government process. Um, And then she spent weeks when she got home, her chair was damaged, trying to get the airline to properly um, address the damaged device. And unfortunately, not having access to a proper wheelchair impacted her body and then uh, resulted in the injuries that claimed her life. It it just is a tragic story.
1: So, So really, this is more than just about convenience. This is a matter of public safety.
0: That's exactly right. It is definitely an issue of safety. And in fact, many people with disabilities, including a lot of PVA members, will travel across the country uh, because of their past experiences with wheelchair damage to avoid getting on an airplane. Uh, In fact, I was talking recently to one of PVA's national directors. She's co-chair of our Women Veterans Committee. And she told me she she simply no longer flies because the times that she's tried, she was injured, her chair was damaged. Um, She's a high-level quadriplegic, um, and so she takes her chances on the roads because she feels like that's safer for her than uh, getting onto an airplane.
2: Heather, I would think most people believe that the Americans with Disabilities Act would cover air travel and these issues with air travel, does it?
0: You know, that's a really common misconception that the ADA covers commercial air travel. In fact, access to air travel for people with disabilities is governed by the Air Carrier Access Act. And that's a law that PVA worked to get passed uh, 35 years ago, actually 35 years ago last month. Um, and prior to its passage, people with disabilities could buy a ticket, show up to travel, and be told at the gate they couldn't fly because they had a disability, and it wasn't Illegal. There was nothing that you could do. Um, and so PVA was founded 75 years ago in part to fight for the civil rights of our members um, as people with disabilities. And access to air travel, of course, is important for health care. Uh, you know, if you're employed, family obligations. Uh, you know, we all travel for a variety of reasons, and, and people with disabilities, including paralyzed veterans, shouldn't be any different.
1: Heather, I, I mean, I've, I met you almost a decade ago. You and I have worked together on a variety of different Different programs and and, uh, and initiatives. And didn't you tell me once that Congress told the FAA to track wheelchair damages? I think that was back in like 2018. Uh, how's that going?
0: That's right, Lou. So airlines in the U.S. are now required to provide data each month on the wheelchairs and scooters they mishandle, which means lost, damaged, destroyed. And um, And Senator Tammy Duckworth, who, of course, is a a disabled veteran herself, made sure that this requirement uh, moved forward in the FAA bill back in 2018. Um, And having that data in public view has really, uh, as I said earlier, spurred the airlines and other stakeholders to really pay more attention to this issue um, to try to address uh, the systemic problems. But unfortunately, it just continues.
2: Yeah, that's such a good point about... um somebody like Senator Duckworth understanding this issue from a really personal perspective. Are there any legislative efforts underway? Is there anything that that PVA is working with Congress on to try to improve this situation?
0: We certainly are. Uh, We are continuing to work with both House and Senate leaders um, on the Air Carrier Access Amendments Act, which would make needed reforms to the underlying legislation. Uh, Representative Jim Langevin, also a wheelchair user, is our leader in the House. Um, In the Senate, Senator Tammy Baldwin and Senator Duckworth um, have been the champions for us. And this legislation would require uh, accessibility standards on aircraft, which is not something we have today. Uh, so that you could board the, the chair, safe, the the plane safely. Hopefully, fly in your wheelchair someday. Uh, be able to access the lavatory and then enforcement. Uh, we really need to increase enforcement because right now it's very limited and very difficult for people to get um, any type of uh, assistance when uh, problems occur.
1: I'm really I'm really glad you talked about um, accessing the bathroom. That that video that the Secretary mentioned, if. You know, if you're listening and you haven't had a chance to take a look at that video, it's short. I think it's like seven minutes. It's, it's not very long. You should really go watch that. Something that it talked about was how wheelchair-bound passengers will commonly dehydrate themselves a day before a long flight because they just don't have access to the bathrooms while on the plane.
0: That's correct. I mean, definitely uh, not something the average traveler has to do, but the vast majority of uh, people who have mobility impairments, uh, they don't have access to uh, a laboratory on board the aircraft. They're flying a single aisle aircraft, which is what many of us fly if you're going domestically here in the U.S. And so this means literally going for hours in some cases without access to a restroom uh, because you're also the first person on the plane and the last person off. So you're spending a lot of of time on the aircraft. And, you know, for people with mobility impairments who have secondary conditions such as diabetes, you know, they often face other health challenges because they're not eating and drinking properly. And it really is just a top area of concern and something that is uh, hard to believe that just hasn't been addressed by the industry.
2: Yeah, Heather, I really appreciate you discussing this with us. You know, when I think about it, the entire access getting on and off airplanes still seems archaic even for people not in wheelchairs just the amount of time getting on and off a average uh, bus on the public bus which i uh you know i was in new york yesterday just watching people on wheelchairs getting in and off buses they they're able to do that in a much easier way and that's that's really a much less expensive uh, piece of machinery than an airplane so I think you're right i think this is really just an outdated design issue that's been ignored for too long
0: you know we we agree mr secretary certainly access to air travel uh, air travel is behind other modes of transportation you mentioned the city bus Uh, subways, uh, Amtrak, lots of other modes of transportation that are covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act do provide better access for wheelchair users. Uh, Whereas air travel, as I like to say, it's still 1986 in terms of accessibility when you board the aircraft. Um, And it really does mean uh, a very difficult experience for people with disabilities who, who experience all the same troubles we all do in air travel, but this is just an extra added burden.
1: You know, one of the things I love about this platform, you know, the, the policy of podcast is that we cover so many different topics. You never really know, you know, what you're going to hear on, on one of these podcasts. And I've spent decades in this industry. I have several friends who are wheelchair users, and honestly, I never really knew the extent to which they struggled with this.
0: You know, it really is a pervasive problem and it so limits the opportunities that are available to paralyzed veterans and all people with disabilities. And, you know, I have a just an example, I think that really brings it home. Uh, PVA held a women veterans empower, empowerment retreat earlier this fall. And one of our uh, women paralyzed veterans encountered a problem boarding the aircraft. And this is what she told us following her trip. She said, I basically went into the aircraft with my head down, and I always tell everybody, walk with your head high. I'm a proud veteran, a 10-year veteran, and the humiliation of that, I don't even know if I want to fly again right now, to be honest with you. Um, This is the impact of the current state of air travel for passengers with disabilities, um, is that we have a woman veteran who um, is learning how to advocate and, uh, you know, becoming a a new person. Now that she's a person with a disability, and because of problems she's had in air travel, um, you know she doesn't she doesn't want to participate anymore. Um, and that's just not where we want to be in the veteran space, in the disability space, and quite frankly, just as a nation.
2: Heather, our listeners tell us that one of the reasons they listen to the Policy Vets podcast is because it gives them new perspectives and helps them appreciate the issues that. Many of our veterans go through, so what advice do you have if you're a passenger on a plane and you see them uh, you know helping somebody in a wheelchair onto the plane and we hear that it's it's really a uh, somewhat humiliating experience. Do you recommend that that people say something and offer their support and say you know Let me know if I can help you take your time or we're glad you're on board uh, or, or are they better off just simply just being patient and not saying anything?
0: You know, people with disabilities are just like everyone else. They want to be treated the same, not special. And, you know, certainly if somebody looks like they need assistance, you can always offer your assistance. Um, And then uh, if they need it, they'll let you know. Um, And I think the important thing is just to be aware. Many times in air travel, we are so focused on ourselves and so focused on our destination. And really, when you open your eyes and look around the next time you're on that airplane, just think about what it would be if you were a person with a disability because disability uh, is something that can happen to any one of us at any time during our lives. And it's important uh, for people to be able to know that today they're looking at somebody else who needs access, but tomorrow it might be them.
1: Heather, we're we're getting ready to to wrap up here. and First of all, I want to thank you again for joining us on the Policy Vets podcast. This is an extremely important topic and, and we're going to continue to follow your work. But before we go, Um, Is there anything that we haven't covered or or, um, anything you want our listeners to know maybe about some of those videos on your website or anything that we missed?
0: I'm glad you mentioned that, Lou. I certainly want to invite um, the listeners to visit pba.org forward slash air travel. And from that page, you can find um, videos, you can find stories. You can also sign a petition in support of the Air Carrier Access Amendments Act. And if you're a a veteran who has a disability, um, there is lots of information on our site about how to best navigate air travel, what you can do if you encounter a problem. Uh, So please uh, go visit again. It's pba.org forward slash air travel.
2: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And as Lou said, we'll continue to be there to help support you and
1: continue the great work. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Heather. And that really is all the time that we have for this week. Listen, join us next week when we're going to have Dr. Keita Franklin with us. Dr. Franklin has a rich history in this industry. She's worked for DOD, she's worked for VA, and now she's helping settle Afghan refugees. You're not going to want to miss this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Policy Vets podcast. For more information about projects and other podcasts, go to policyvets.org.